Thank you for listening to another episode of Cosmic Peach. We are back for part two of Here's Johnny. We're talking all about Kubrick. And in this episode, we're going to dive into more of the Saturnian side of things. So I hope you find this very interesting and thought-provoking. I had fun researching everything and just how everything ties in together is just crazy. This is a solo episode, so just me and me by myself. Just me and you, boo-boo. So um, find me on Instagram at cosmic.peach.podcast if you would like to come on the show. You know kind of what my style is by now, I think. I'm all over the place, but it's always a good time. (laughs) Don't forget to like my shit, share my shit, and leave me a five-star review on Apple. And have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. It's time for the second part of the Stanley Kubrick episode. Okay. So, here we are. We're going to dive right back in kind of where we left off in the first episode. Kind of talking about Eyes Wide Shut, The Shining, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And so, I'm going to make a case that NASA... The Saturnian death cult, Stanley Kubrick, and JFK are all connected. And I'm only going to say this once, so hear me good. Everything that I present to you in this episode is just speculation and my own research. You don't have to believe any of it. But it's... It's highly interesting and definitely worth talking about. So you don't have to believe everything I say, of course. Like, look it up for yourself. Make make your own conclusions. Um, come to your own conclusions. But let's just dive right in. And so let's propose a few things here. Going back to the first episode where we're talking about Eyes Wide Shut, some of the symbolism in there. And where I want to start with is the costume shop. 
where Tom Cruise goes and gets his tux for the um, for the party. And we see these two Asian dudes with the uh, with the young girl and we think she's innocent like oh my gosh look at those guys are in there with that little girl and then kind of later on in the movie when Tom Cruise goes back to drop off his his tux to the costume shop we ca- we kind of see that she's not so innocent maybe because she's making eyes at Tom Cruise kind of like yeah you you like what you see and what what i what i think is she's part of like her dad's pizza business if you will so he's serving up the costumes and the pizza all at the same time and then when you see all throughout kubrick's films are these teddy bears and the very last shot of Eyes Wide Shut is Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in this toy shop with the teddy bears. And so there are little girls like walking down the aisle. She's walking with all these teddy bears. And I think that like a couple guys like come and get her and like walk away with her. And they're just like so nonchalant about it. I, I, it's been so long since I watched the movie. I would have to go back and watch that scene again. But I feel like a couple of guys like grab their daughter's hand and walk away with her. And it's like the scene ends with like the teddy bears and the toy shop and the little girl and it's so subtle so subtle but it's still there let's dig into what that could mean well if you type in pedophiles and bears into google you will discover that there is an insignia called pedo bears which is something that this again it's just my research it's something that pedos use to tag a kid that they might be interested in and it's a little teddy bear so we have yet another pedophilia reference. And like I said in the first episode, the one-two punch was eyes wide shut, then AI. And I think that we were going, we we had seen eyes wide shut, right? And then we were going to go into AI and it was just going to bust it wide open and kind of dive way deep down into the pedophilia stuff, but we never got to see that because Kubrick wasn't around to actually make the movie. So what other connections are there that we can make from that? Well, Arthur, uh, Arthur C. Clarke was also one of Stanley Kubrick's best friends while he was living in London filming 2001 A Space Odyssey. And Arthur C. Clarke is a notorious pedophile. 
and we see that Kubrick is hanging out with Arthur C. Clarke and his group of people who are mysteriously linked into NASA, this Babylon bunch in the early 60s. So there's a deeper connection there between Kubrick, the Babylon bunch, these German scientists, NASA, and it's all kind of coming around like this time in Kubrick's life where he's like at his peak. So he's putting all these little tidbits in his movies that we wouldn't have even understood until now. And it gets really strange. For instance, one of the things that drove Jim Garrison uh, absolutely crazy in the Kennedy investigation was that right before Lee Harvey Oswald got the job at the school book depository, he was working at a place called Riley's Coffee Company in New Orleans. Okay? And when Garrison went to talk to all the employees at this coffee company about Lee Harvey Oswald, he discovered that there were no more employees there that even knew Lee Harvey Oswald or worked with him, even though it was only a year or two later that Lee Harvey Oswald actually worked there. Which is strange because let's say, how many jobs have you had in your life? How many jobs have I had in my life? If you go back a year from today and talk to the people that I worked with, they're probably all still going to be there and know who I am and, and know like that I worked there. But when he went to invest, investigate, it was like none of the employees that work with Lee Harvey Oswald were in there. It was brand new employees. They didn't even know what he was talking about. So what does he do? He wants to track down all these ex-employees and find out where they are and go and talk to them, interview them about Lee Harvey Oswald. So what does he discover? Well, he discovers that all these ex-employees that worked at Riley's Coffee Company with Lee Harvey Oswald have all moved to Houston, Texas, and became members of NASA. How the fuck do you go from coffee company employee to an employee of NASA? It must have been some terrific fucking coffee. Must have been able to turn your butthole inside out. I mean, come on. You're working for a coffee company and then you become an employee of NASA? That, those coffee beans were, were on some next level rocket science, I guess. 
And JFK is assassinated in Texas. Okay, not in Houston, but in Texas. Why is there a NASA connection there? Okay, so JFK was called NASA's senator. How does this tie in with Kubrick? Okay, so let's look at The Shining. At the beginning of the movie, when Jack Nicholson goes in for the interview at the Overlook Hotel, the manager of the Overlook is a dead ringer for JFK. They even put a hairpiece on that actor and everything. The mannerisms and just the whole vibe you get from the manager is kind of like a JFK. And there's that little American flag on the desk. And with everything else that we've kind of gathered about The Shining is this is Kubrick's story of the Apollo mission and what he went through if he indeed indeed faked the moon landings. So there, there we have NASA shining Stanley Kubrick, JFK all together. Okay. And so I found this list of people who helped Stanley Kubrick make 2001 a space odyssey and it's a who's who's list of military industrial complex people so like all the criminal companies that develop these weapons for the united states why would they be helping stanley kubrick make a science fiction film Companies don't generally contribute employees to other private enterprises for free. So why are they helping him? Could it be that they had gathered up so much money from the taxpayers and the United States people in the neighborhood of about $40 billion dollars? that was supposed to go to the Apollo moon program, going to the real space program behind the scenes. And Stanley was a part of that. So they're like, he did them a solid. So they're doing him a solid. I mean, it just doesn't make sense why they would be interested in even helping him do something like that. And, there, there are some people who were working f- at or for NASA that got upset with Jay Widener when he made this claim. And it's, I guess the story goes that they reached out to Jay Widener and they were like, yo, like, I did all this work and you're telling me it was a big fake. And they, they were, you know, getting upset with him. And the response is, no, I'm not telling you it was a big fake. You did do all the work. I'm sure it was great work that you did. You just weren't doing it for Apollo. You were doing it for the secret space program. 
right? Or maybe they were, and I'm wrong about everything. Who knows? There's one thing about the occult NASA connection that's the most obvious one to me that has to deal with the developments that happened uh, on the White Sands and the JPL um, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. We have people like Jack Parsons and, again, the so-called Babylon Bunch, not to be confused with the Brady Bunch. These motherfuckers are totally different. And they're doing some interesting ritual magic connected to the JPL facility. The scientists in Germany that developed this stuff were all members of this shit called the Saturnian Society. Okay, and they name the rocket the Saturn V, even though it was going to the moon, which is strange. And more interesting than that is the obsession NASA has had with Saturn. So now we're kind of bringing it around, coming back to the Saturn connection. They have collected thousands and thousands of images of Saturn and its moons. And there's a book called The Ring Makers of Saturn, I believe, by a scientist. And it's about the Voyager and everything that it photographed in the rings of Saturn during the flyby and the things that they were picking up. On like on Titan and the hexagonal rings on Saturn. And you, you read it and you're starting to wonder like, what, what is Saturn actually? Like, is it a planet or is it something else? And the myths around Saturn and everything are so interesting could it be that this is a Saturnian cult? I believe it is, okay? Because you, you're going to see when you look into the mythology, like this spiritual war between the followers of Jehovah or Jupiter... And the followers of Saturn or Set. And Jehovah means Jupiter means Zeus. Okay, stick with me. The followers of Jehovah, the Christian, Muslim, and Jews are actually followers of Zeus. Because when you break it down, and I'm not going to get too detailed, but Jehovah is, Jove is Zeus. And all they did is get rid of all the other gods and make Zeus the primary god. And the same thing with Saturn. 
So Saturn was the god before Jehovah. And before the Jehovian religions came along 3,000 years ago, the people were worshiping Saturn or Set, who is the Egyptian god. And Saturn is time. Kronos. You, you can start to think that there's something about Saturn we might not have discovered yet. But everybody else knows. All these higher-ups and all these douchebags, they know about this. And it's like they hold the keys to the kingdom. And they have all this forbidden knowledge, right? I think Saturn could be like a hyperdimensional gateway or something. So I don't want to go off on a tangent. But there are things going on on Saturn that are absolutely mind-boggling. And NASA, of course, knows about it. It's, it's no secret. But we're talking about when Stanley Kubrick was making 2001 A Space Odyssey all the way back in the 60s. When we weren't supposed to have known what was going on with Saturn and like the black moon and I'm going to tie all that back in here in a second. Let me tell you a little story first. So in 2005, there's this TV series and it wasn't popular or anything. I just came across it while I was kind of looking this stuff up. And it's a TV series called Revelation. It didn't even last that long and it was kind of a dupe. Um... But so the curious part that I found was that it was financed by the Catholic Church. So first off, red flag. (laughs) And it is a show about a scientist and a nun. And they're chasing the Antichrist all over the world. And they're trying to stop him from destroying the world. And it turns out. That this Antichrist, quote unquote, has this secret box cube. (laughs) And on the front of this cube is a picture of Saturn. And there's a moon right next to the picture of Saturn. And it's referencing this black moon of Saturn. In, in the show, they say, that's where the Antichrist lives. And this, is, this show came out one year after they take the pictures of Iapetus, which is the black moon. And so the the last scene in the show is the black moon rising and covering everything in the frame. It's just funny to me that the Catholic Church financed this show about the cube of Saturn, the black moon of Saturn with the Saturn on the cube of the Antichrist. And this is, and doesn't the Vatican have that ginormous ass telescope? Something to marinate on there. 
And so here's the thing. The place where the monolith is in the book 2001, A Space Odyssey, is on the moon Iapetus. And you start putting the pieces together and realize that these German scientists, this Babylon bunch, must have had this knowledge. Kubrick was going to Saturn in 2001. And in the book, they actually do go to Saturn. He changed it to Jupiter because he said he couldn't make the rings look realistic on Saturn. I'm sorry, I'm just not buying that. It, it's just not, yeah. I Let's just go on to the next subject. <laughs> well, I think the higher-ups probably came in and were like, Nah, you can't make it Saturn. It's just too obvious and you can't make it land on Iapetus because one day we're going to take a picture of Iapetus and then everyone is going to squawk about the huge coincidences of us here in 1965 knowing about all this and we're not supposed to know any of it. Food for thought. So picture this, if you will. Arthur C. Clarke, Kubrick, Von Braun, and these other more secret Germans that we don't even know anything about. They're sitting around Arthur C. Clarke's apartment, drinking brandy and smoking cigars, and talking into the night about all this stuff. And Kubrick's this kid, practically, and he's going, oh my god, what is this? If I were as talented as Kubrick and that's the industry I was in, I mean, shit, I'd be making crazy movies like that, too. And... The person who wrote Clockwork Orange, Anthony Burgess, I believe, was asked where he got the idea for Clockwork Orange. And he said, oh, I got it from Stanley Kubrick in a conversation in 1964. <laughs> How ironic. But Kubrick is not actually the first of his kind to pull some shit off like this successfully let's talk about the lord of the rings just for a quick little tangent we have J.R.R. tolkien and supposedly he read all these books in the basement of oxford and he got all these books from Finland and Sweden, and he claims the, that he's the only guy who can re actually read all these books. And he spent hours and hours, hundreds of hours, reading all this stuff that's down there. And he writes Lord of the Rings after he's done reading it. And according to this, you know research he told C.S. Lewis that 
there's a whole history that we don't even know about. And he told people that the Lord of the Rings was about Europe 6,500 years ago. And he claims it was all based on truth. And he would get mad if anybody was like, oh, that's a cool little science fiction, whatever you got going on. And he'd be like, no, it's actually true. And it was completely based on what he learned in his reading, supposedly. And one of the things he gets at is that there's this lord of the rings, like Saturn. And his name is Sauron. <laughs> and Sauron is also so close to the Mesopotamian dictator Sargon, <laughs> who invented time. Like, literally invented time. And clocks and calendars and schedules and really delivered the world into this linear, monochronic world that we live in right now. The world was polychronic, and Sargon really thrust us into civilization, if, if that's what you want to call it. And so, he's, he's showing us this Saturnian power that came in and forced us into a kind of slavery. And I think Tolkien understands this. So Lord of the Rings, um, Sauron is trying to destroy the elves that know too much and have too much power. And he's trying to trap the earth into this energy sucking thing. And he's creating half breeds like clones of the orcs and all those who are not really human. They're only partially human. What does that sound like? Just a thought. So maybe this knowledge may have existed and everyone knew about it. And it was just like reading a history book, like how we read our history books. But then it got all co-opted and corrupted and just wiped out. And it's just a myth now. Getting back to Saturn. And I don't want to sound like the weird-haired guy from Ancient Aliens, but let me do my best impression. Is it possible that Saturn is a device that is creating linear time in the solar system? Ancient astronaut theorists would speculate yes, <laughs> but no for real. It could be a timing device, uh, a higher dimensional device that allows uh, kind of like a semi-linear stream of time. And this is being done because the only way certain powers can get things done is through 
taking us out of a polychronic world of like hunter and gatherer farmer types and into this monochronic world of the machines and factories. And as I was saying that, I had this thought just pop up into my head right now. And it's like that movie Robots. I think uh, Robin Williams was one of the voices in that movie. It was like an animated movie from when I was little. And like they're all robots. And the one wants to be an inventor and change the world. And he's got that little thing that washes dishes. It's so cute. But then there's like these trash compactor people. <laughs> and they work in like this this factory just smashing bolts and stuff. And, and anytime I think of like the monochronic world with the machines and the factories, I just think of like these elites turning us into those trash compactor things that are just beating on bolts all day long on like this conveyor belt. <laughs> I don't want any part of that shit. <laughs> So, Saturn is the god that sets us. He sets us into something and then we can't get out. And, and that's the trap. The time trap. And I say he sets us because that's who he is. Set. <laughs> Could that be what Saturn is? And the symbology around Saturn shows us that it is a time trap. Uh, and he needs human sacrifice to keep going. Old man time turns into young baby time only by the sacrifice. So there's a sacrifice that has to happen. And he carries a sickle because he's the Grim Reaper. And he's gathering up the bodies. What is he gathering up the bodies for? Because he's sucking the energy out of the bodies. So, sim symbology. Okay. He's the Grim Reaper. He's Father Time. He's Kronos. He's Satan. He's Set. He's the embodiment of this time trap we're all caught in. And when we can break free from the time trap, then we will be free of Saturn. But the solar system does look like it was constructed as this time trap for us. Why? I can't say. Merely speculation. Maybe slavery reasons? And wasn't it Set that eats his own children? Or am I remembering wrong? I think he eats his own children. Which is just another example of the sacrifice in order to continue its own process. And that's an obvious tie-in to the idea that we have ritualistic and satanic sacrifices taking place at the same time as this weird sexual behavior. And we talked about that in part one with the pedophilia. 
And it seems like now we have this murder aspect that's tied in as well. And it may be all connected. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's definitely all connected. But what the fuck do I know? And was this what Stanley was trying to tell us if he were allowed to keep Saturn in 2001. And y'all might be thinking, how the fuck do you know that it was supposed to be Saturn? I get it. The only way that we even know it was supposed to be Saturn in 2001 is that the special effects technicians like Douglas Trumbull have come forth and they said, I spent a year designing Saturn and then they told me I had to throw it out and go with Jupiter. If if you don't believe any of the information that I just presented to you, I still respect you, but you have to admit this is a huge coincidence. And I hope that I've given you enough info to where you can kind of see how Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke, NASA, Babylon Bunch, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, Pedophilia, Saturnian Death Cults. It's like this big badass cocktail. And it's just becoming clearer as time goes on because we now have eyes to see whereas in the past we didn't even know what to look for where to begin to look for it which is why I love podcasting not everybody wants to sit and listen to me talk about this bs for an hour but (laughs) I'm so happy you made it this far I still kind of want to do something on Dr. Sleep but First, I want to know, what do you think of this episode? I hope you enjoyed it. And always just look the shit up for yourself. Take the information I give you. And what you choose to do with it is up to you. Have a great night. 